Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. So much here today. Amen. Appreciate the worship team just obeying God, just really, really just uh, flowing with the Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Go with me to Matthew 25. And verse 14, Matthew 25 and verse 14. I am aware of the time and I'm going and I am even now making uh, making small changes. Oh man, you can't beat a good morning service like that though, right? Praise God. It's always good because you know what it means to be in the bonus. That means uh, even if you uh, you know when you're in the bonus in basketball, that means that that next shot, you know, if you it's it's an extra one, you know, you 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 didn't even earn it. So if it goes in, then that's great. If not, then uh, well, I mean, you didn't, you know, it was bonus. And that's how I feel sometimes about uh, about me trying to do my best to preach after an unbelievable mighty move of God like He did for us already this morning. We're already in the bonus, so let's go ahead right into it and then get all we can get out of it. Amen. We are in the bonus in my book, Matthew 25 and 14. If you got it, say Amen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And he gave five talents to one, to another two, and to another one. So we got one talent man, five talent man, and ten talent man. Each one of them has their own the Word of God says, to each according to his own ability. That means he didn't give you, uh, he, he's not going to come back looking for something. He's not gonna, honestly, I'm not going to see God on Judgment Day and be like, and he'll be like, why were you not, you know, the top 20 recording artists? And I'll be like, because I wasn't a top 20 talent. <laughs> so he's not going to charge me with that, right? You know, to some of you guys, he, you know, he, he's not going to be like, why didn't you get a, you know, get a, a law degree from Yale? And be like, because I didn't have Yale money <laughs> or brains, <laughs> you know? But the important thing to know is that God requires you to work hard with what he puts in your hand, not with what he puts in somebody else's hand. Amen? That's important. It is important because I'm glad I'm not being judged on that. I'm glad he's, I mean, you know, all these famous and wonderful preachers who can preach, you know, circles around me, he's not going to come back and ask me for their results. He's going to ask me for the results of doing the best that I could with, you know, whatever modest giftings he placed in me. And somebody said, amen. I'm glad I'm not being judged on somebody else's giftings. And that's important. Because the word of God says, each according to their own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So he did his best. You know, he took advantage of the market. You know, he, he went out and said, how can I do this? And he managed to make five more. So he doubled the investment over the time of the trip. Good job. And likewise, he who had received uh, two gained two more also. So this is actually five, two, and one. My bad. There's, it, it says elsewhere. In a different way. So he had received two, gained two more also. And the one who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After the long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he came back and settled up. So he's given five talents, two talents, and one each according to his ability. And he came back and said, what did he say, boys? He said, where's the money at? He said, show me my investment. Show me my ROI, my return on investment. I need to know what you have done with what I have given you. And I must tell you, I'd be very remiss in my, in my position, you know, in my ministry, if I didn't tell you that there's coming a time in your life, your life, when the master will say, what have you done with what I gave you? 
What have you done with the health, the wealth, the anointing, the influence, the giftings and talents that I gave you? Not your church, not your family, not your wife. You're going to skate by on your wife's anointing and your wife's vision. You ain't going to skate by on that. What about you? I gave it to you. Where is my money? That's what he's going to say. He came and settled accounts. Verse 20 says, so he who had, and this is where the accounts get settled. He says, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. So he actually made kind of a show of it. So he's like, he gives him the five talents initially. He's like, where's my money? And where's the other money? And he's like, one second. He goes and gets his other five talents, and he's like, see, I, I, I made a good investment. You delivered to me five talents. Look at the five more besides them. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he who had two talents came to him, and the Lord delivered, said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more besides them. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He blessed him. Amen? Verse 24. The other shoe drops. He says, Lord, or he said, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went to, and I went and I hid your talent. And I love that he says your talent. He didn't say my talent. I went and hid my talent. He, it belongs to whoever gave it to him still because you just borrow on it. He says, you, I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there it, you have what is yours. But the Lord answered to him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown it and that I gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming. I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to someone who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But not him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast, he cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We don't want to rush through your word, God. We want to take our time. We want to deliver it. We want to hear what you have to say, God. We don't want to interrupt you. Um, we, don't, we, we, we don't care. We, we need to hear from you. We need the life-giving truth of your holy word. We love you and appreciate you. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen. 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 There's some important values we can derive with this. I guess I, I want to do a little bit of teaching on stewardship and just on God's... Uh, God's way of living, how he operates with us and with the giftings and talents he, uh, he gives us. Now, first of all, God doesn't judge on the gross talent or success, but on the effort and faithfulness. I already hit that a little bit. God doesn't judge on the gross talent that is brought back. Some have more talent, and of them more is expected. So that's important to understand. Uh, number two, everybody. Somebody say everybody. Everybody has something to contribute. Anybody who says they don't, they're, they're either fooling themselves or they're lying. You're lying. You do have something to contribute. And sometimes, sometimes it's easy to, to look around and measure you know, our contribution you know, to somebody else's and say, I don't have, because then you don't have to contribute. You can just skate by. You can just kind of slide under. You can just kind of duck in, duck out, do your thing, you know, and, and just do the bare minimum and, and then... 
And a lot of times we blame that on our own lack of giftings, but what it really comes down to, if we look in the mirror long enough, is the fact that we're scared that what we have won't be enough. And that, my friend, according to the word, is no excuse in the end. And we need to know that. Everyone has something to contribute. No one is exempt from their best effort. And honestly, and I, don't, uh, I don't share a lot of, you know, like my uh, political ideology and that kind of stuff uh, from the pulpit as far as like naming, you know, candidates or something like that. I don't feel like that's, I feel like that leads to abuses and we, wouldn't, we don't want to do that. However, I will say um, there are some systems that are better than others and there are some truths that we need to understand. I believe that there's two ways to make a slave out of somebody. You can, number one, um, force him to work and not pay him. If you do that, you've made a slave out of somebody. You know, you for, if you force somebody to work and you won't pay them, you make a slave. And the other way is you can pay somebody without work, without forcing them to work. And then in the end, you make a slave of them that way. Hey, that's true. If you, if you continue to pay somebody who, 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 will not, you know, who won't work at all, and just chooses not to. Now, some people, you know, they're not able to work. Totally different story. But somebody who just chooses and does not want to work, the word of God is very strong. You, you, want, you want some more? Um, he, he said, if a man won't work, then neither should he eat. Now, there's a lot of people who are unable who worked as much as they can and work as much as they could and would love to, to, to be working, and they can't. And, I, and, and my heart goes out to that's who we're supposed to be ministering to, not bashing on. However, there's a lot of people in this generation who would rather stay, you know, out of the workforce and just play video games all day, then they would get a job, get a J-O-B. And it's sin. Amen. I, I figured I'd get some, some baby boomer amens at least to bring a couple of those out. That's true. We want to work. We want to work because the, the Holy Spirit, because the Word of God expects it of us. The best way to ensure that you don't do well with what you got, though, is to compare it to what others have. That's the easy way. That, whenever you start to look at the other talents and then, and then you look back at your own, um, that is where discontent uh, comes in. See, my head is always um, in what kind of book? Yes, amen. It is always in a history book. So I have this context, and then I get out, and then I so, you know, sometimes I'll get done reading like an old history book text, and then I'll go flush the toilet and just be like, man, that is unbelievable. Unbelievable how good we have it. You know, we got these vehicles and the air conditioning and heat and this and yada, yada. And, you know, we got all, oh, man, we're so, so spoiled. But I tell you what, even in the most blessed, we are the most blessed country in the history of the world at the most blessed time in the history of the world. And sometimes we're still ungrateful. So, the, so that, that just goes to show you we can be ungrateful no matter how good it gets. Best way to, uh, to you know, take your one talent and decide that you, are, you don't have to use it for God's glory um, is to uh, look around, see everybody who's got two, everybody who's got five, everybody who's got ten, and then just bury it. Because why not? You know, what, what, am I, what, what will my small talent matter? It'll matter a lot to you on Judgment Day, my friend. Amen. Is this hard stuff? We, I need it. I need it. Now... When we read uh, toward the end, the, the unprofitable servant, he, uh, he takes on this attitude, and uh, he does what people do a lot of times whenever they're caught red-handed, and you know, they know they ought to have done better. He blames it on the master. That's his first reaction. Instead of just saying, 
instead of saying, oh, my bad, I know, I was just scared, you know, I, I, I should have done it, I should, I owned it, I'm sorry, you know, instead of that, and I, I really wonder how things would have changed, you know, because he gets cast into outer darkness, and he gets, he gets fired, and his talent taken away, I wonder if that would have been a little different, and turned out better for him, if he hadn't blamed the master, his response is what really kills me, he says to the master, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. You're not fair. You're unfair. You're, you're, you're tough. You know, you're, 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 you're severe in the way that you deal. It's not my fault. It's not my fault that I didn't at least put it in the bank and just get interest. You're, you're hard on me. You're not fair. And, and, and honestly, like, what right do you have to, you know, to, to demand that from me? Like, you, you know, what? Because you're the servant. Like, you, you know, you you're provided for. That's your job. And he was afraid, which is at the root. Like I said, I think that fear is kind of at the root of most of this. And he went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, have what is yours. And the Lord answered and said, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew this. You knew that I reap where I haven't sown, and you gather where I have not scattered seed. And he throws them into outer darkness. Don't blame it on the master. Don't blame it on your employer. Don't blame it on the government. Don't blame it on others with money. Practice stewardship. You're not supposed to, uh, to make as much money in your life or to be as you know, successful in some areas as other people maybe who've been given more giftings in that area. Um, I can't, I, you know, Casey is an accountant. He loves math, loves numbers. I, I skated through just enough to where, you know, whenever I, I'm kind of scared about Thomas. This is a little bit, you know, scary for me because I intend on having kids at some point. And they're going to be like, Dad, hey, you know, I've got some math problems. I'll be like, man, I'll pray for you. That's what I do. <laughs> I'll be praying for you. Say, call Casey, see if he's home. I'm going to send him over there. Or my dad. My dad's great. He did calculus and, and everything. Like, he, he's, they're, they're sharp. Not so much on that. Now, other areas, I'm fine. It's, can someone say amen and not leave me hanging? Yeah. Amen. Wasn't all created to be nerds. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. But we're not all given the exact same type of talents. We're not all given the same amount of talents, to be perfectly honest. What God is expecting from you right now, though, is to put your best foot forward and to work as hard as you can with what is in your hand. The Word of God says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. It really doesn't say much about what you are going to have, you know, what kind of giftings or what kind of intelligence or, or you know, parents maybe that can send you to the best school or, or what, what district you're going to be in. It says this, though, whatever you got, whatever abilities that you have. If you are good at math, work hard, boys. Work hard, girls, on your test and do the best you can, even now, to get, a good, get good grades. Amen. Work hard with what is in your hands, not with, with somebody else's hands. Amen. Because that could go wrong two ways. Number one, you'll say, man, well, he's so smart. He's so talented. He's so powerful. Um, Jerry may be able to bench press 300, but that doesn't leave me, you know, with the excuse that I, I shouldn't even do any push-ups to try and stay in shape, okay? Don't judge based on somebody else's ability and then neglect yourself. Also, don't look at somebody with a lot less ability than you and say, well, because I naturally can skate through and still do better than that person on the test, um, you know, I, I can get a 95 without opening a book, and that person, you know, he'll, he'll study all night, and he'll get you know, a 72 if he's lucky. That does not get you out. You, if you could get 100, you ought to get 100. And that's the only thing that, that, that God really starts judging on as far as you know, what we do with our giftings and talents in life. He's going to say, yeah, but what could you have done? He did his best. His 72 was, 
I mean, I actually did a miracle just so he got that. I had to answer prayer just to help him do it. And you, you could have done all this. And, and you did the bare minimum just to skate by. That does not please God. And that's what God looks at. Amen. It's not about how many talents you have in your hand in the end. It's about how, what you did with what was placed there. Amen. <clears throat> the master gave each one enough to work with to please him when he returned. And so here's the word I give you right now. What you have is enough to please God. What you have, what he's given you, the abilities, um, the position, um, the, uh, the intelligence, the anointing that he has allotted and placed over your life is enough to please him. If you will be faithful, you'll develop it and you will sacrifice for his kingdom. What you have been given is enough. And, about, and maybe half of us are thinking, oh, that's great news. And the other half of us are maybe thinking, oh, that's terrible news. Because my excuse is gone. There's two ways to look at that. What you have is enough. You're like, yes, oh, thank God, because I really wanted to please him. And I was, I, was, I was so trying so hard, and I thought it would never be enough. Well, that's good news for you. Uh, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, and, and the word just got delivered to you, and said what you had was enough, and now you're thinking, you know, I could have. I, I guess I could do better. I guess I could have done better. I guess at the end I could have had some souls that I took to heaven with me. I guess I could have prayed some prayers of faith and seen some miracles happen. I guess I could have been responsible. I guess I could have done more and I know that God knows that. Don't get there and hear God say you got to go. You got to be cast into outer darkness because you did nothing with all that I gave you. Don't want that. Amen. For the sake of time, I do want to just kind of look at things a little bit different way. I want to go now to, and we're not going to read all the scripture. Everybody know, um, I believe Genesis uh, 37, the, uh, the story of Joseph. Everybody knows about Joseph, right? It's one of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible, all the things that happen uh, in his life. So let me, what time is it? We're good. Okay, so I'm going I'm to give you the run through real quick on Joseph's story. Joseph starts out. Um, you know, Mr. Coat of Many Colors, um, he is uh, disliked by all of his uh, 11 brothers, or you know, at least uh, 10 of them don't like him. And so they, uh, they are so um, challenged by him and him always being Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, doing what's right and getting the father's favor over it, um, that they decide to, uh, to get rid of him. So they throw him in a pit and they don't really know what to do, but they kind of set him aside. You know, they leave him under the surface and, uh, and they set that aside. Until some Midianites come through. And when the Midianites come through, uh, they, they actually they buy Joseph and then pull him up out of the pit. They take him into Egypt. And then the Midianites, they take him into Egypt you know, for, you know, to make a profit. And they sell him and he ends up in this man's house named Potiphar. Potiphar. Potiphar is this Egyptian, uh, basically captain of the guard of Pharaoh's army. So he's a you know, high roller, like you know, one of the top-notch guys in the kingdom. And Joseph, because he's anointed, because he's powerful, because God has his hand on his life, uh, Joseph actually uh, succeeds wherever he is planted. Like, you know, he's a blessing no matter what. And so the next thing you know, um, Potiphar's like, oh, where'd you learn how to do that? Where'd you learn that calculus, amen? Well, you, know, who, you, know, you, you must have studied in class. You know, you're really, you know, you're pretty sharp, so you know your stuff. Um, you know, why don't you take care of this? Why don't you take care of that? And then next thing you know, Potiphar's being super lazy because Joseph does everything better than him anyway. And so this is literally what the Bible says. Potiphar, the only thing he had to think about, the only thing stressing him, and somebody who'd been working a job and has a home for a little while could say amen. The only thing he had to worry about was what he wanted to eat today. Wouldn't that be nice? If that's the only thing you had to worry about and everybody else did all you, you know, 
Tim does a good job running, running most of his dad's business, and you know he, they're, they're cutting down trees, and he's out there you know, running all this, all this heavy equipment, and he's got men that work for him. But in the end, I've seen Tim's work. In the end, you know, Big Daddy comes in, and then he's got to do most of like, the really complex stuff, and he runs the, like, the real expensive equipment. Wouldn't it be nice, Tim, if you could just be like, Leon, you, know, you guys go do it. All I'm worried about today is what I'm going to eat, and you can go make me money. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? That's rare. You've got a real Joseph on your hands if you can just say, hey, go make me some money. Uh, I, I got important things to do. I got three meals to pick today. That would be nice. It's not how it works usually. You end up having to continue to, you know, to put it. But that's what Potiphar, he has so good. Next thing you know, Potiphar's wife gets in you know, and sees Joseph. And she sees the giftings and you know, the, how good Joseph is you know, on a different level. And so she starts hitting on him. And she's like, hey, Joseph. You know, you know, just, you know, you know, all, all, she's, always, she's always in the pantry at the opportune time. Be like, oh, excuse me. I didn't see you there, you know, just and start, start running this game on him. And Joseph is, you know, he knows what's going on. He's trying to stay away as much as possible. But in the end, she just finally comes right out and says, it stops messing around and says, you know, I, 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 want, I want to be unfaithful with my husband, with you. I want, you know, I want you. And that's, you know, this woman. And Joseph says, no shot. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. She's got it kind of got it cornered, cornered in the, you know, in the kitchen. He's trying to get away. And then he's, he's you know, you Young man, you may have to do this. Young woman, you may have to just get out of a situation, okay? It, it'll be worth it. And so next thing you know, he, like, she grabs hold of his outer garment, his coat, and, and all he can do to get away and run away is leave his coat in her hands. And then she turns it on him like a lie because she gets mad at him, and Potiphar looks at him, throws him in prison. Yeah, try and do the right thing. You ever felt like that, though? Every time that I try to do right, it seems like it works out worse for me. That's the enemy. That's the enemy coming against you. Don't, don't, don't think that's, that's not just life. That's the enemy fighting you, and you're going to win if you will continue to be faithful. So next thing that happened, Joseph goes into prison. Well, then he becomes such a huge blessing in prison because he's now running the prison um, that, that he's awesome there, and that provides him the opportunity to do stuff and, and interpret these dreams. Next thing you know, he's in Pharaoh's house, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and now he's in charge of the whole kingdom, and all Pharaoh has to do is leave Joseph in charge. And this is the most, he's the second most powerful guy in the whole world. And then those sneaky brothers during a famine come back and uh, they don't recognize him, probably because the, the guy makeup, you know, that the Egyptians were. So he's probably all made up and he's got like this, you know, stuff. He's got his hair styled differently. They don't, they don't you know, new, you know, the new country, new me. And they go in there and they see him. They don't recognize Joseph at first. And so they, uh, they beg and they play. They're like, you know, we, we, the, the famine is terrible in our family, our stock. You know, we, we need to buy grain from you because we're in terrible shape. And so Joseph is then placed in a position to bless them and to love them and to provide for them and honestly to save them from starvation in the end. And that is so powerful. Now we want to tie this in with our earlier text. I'm going to do my best. I really rushed through that. And here's what I want to say about those things. <clears throat> Joseph is a gift to the family to provide for them in a time of desperate need. Joseph is, he's the gift in this story, okay? And the family has him, and they decide um, to cast him away because of jealousy and stupidity and just, you know, and insecurity. And what's crazy is, uh, while Joseph was trying to, he will eventually be the one who, uh, who settles everything up and saves them by giving them grain and doing all this stuff, but uh, Joseph was actually trying to do right in the first place. Like he was trying to make sure that the, all the sheep didn't die, so we starved. And eventually, 
Years and years and years and years later, he'll do, he'll finish his job. So my word to you right now is, he is faithful who has started a good work to finish it. And it doesn't matter how many years separating you and the beginning of what God, God called you to do. If you've been faithful and you will continue to be faithful, you will finish it. And you'll finish it in style. I mean, Joseph was doing his best to, to do what mattered most to him, which is to provide for his family, to use his giftings and talents to provide for the family and, and, and to make sure that, you know, they were okay and that, you know, the sheep were well taken care of. He's trying to serve, and then everybody else gets in the way. But in the end, what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. Next thing you know, because he's faithful through every step of the way, now instead of just making sure the sheep are not starving, now he's got the grain to make sure the sheep don't starve. He, he got, he's the wealthiest guy other than Pharaoh in the world. Unbelievable. See, the family found that gift, the brothers found that gift inconvenient, so they threw it in a pit. Now, they didn't kill it, but they put it away. Don't throw your giftings away. Don't abuse or throw away the things that God has put in your life to bless you. Amen? That's my prayer as a church, you know, that we will encourage one another in the giftings and the abilities that God has given. That, that's, you know, I want teachers to teach. I want preachers to preach. Amen? I'm not the only person who, who, who has incredible, I don't, I'm not saying I have, but there are incredible giftings of ministry and teaching and preaching and singing and, and leadership, and we want those to come to the fore. We want, we want to be blessed by that. We don't want to just bury those giftings, amen. We want to be blessed by it.